Hello and welcome back to Reeling of the Peers, where we chat about and discuss all sorts of movies. My name is Gary O'Brien, and joining me for today's episode, it is my very good friend and cousin, Daniel Brennan. He is also a cast member and producer on the incredibly entertaining Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Ruined Rituals. Available on Spotify and Amazon Music, you can also follow them on Instagram with the handle at Ruined Rituals. Daniel is here today to talk about the 2018 supernatural psychological horror film, Hereditary. So stick around. We hope you enjoy. Hello, how are we? Are we well? Oh, is this live now? Yeah, I don't really know when to start these. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's nice to be back on the podcast finally. Thank you for coming back. You've, you've, you've come back with another equally scary movie, but yeah, it's, it's taken a year now. Two years. Two years. Oh my God, I'm the worst at this. I'm yeah, so sorry. Yeah, yeah. I think I might have the longest hiatus between. No, that's incorrect. There is definitely more people. Well, oh, wait. They, well, they've only been on one episode. I'm kind of people who have actually come back because there's probably lots of people who did it once were like, I'm never going to come back. Yeah. Or I, I decided to come back after 70 episodes i think it is because i think it was episode 20 for raw yeah and this will be episode 90 i think this is episode 90 yeah yeah well, there you go look at me i did my research <laughs> I, I didn't watch the movie but i researched the podcast um but also i was gonna say something else which was um you've been too busy with your own podcast daniel that's why i know yeah we started our own podcast and by we i mean some friends from college uh it's called we hate reeling in the peers and that's what's kept you so busy for 70 episodes of my podcast yeah you have to keep up because you do an episode every week so it was great when you stopped for a little while because we we're like oh ground we can take a break yeah um but then you've been kind of punching out episodes every Tanya. week so how how many are now we're only on episode 25 right. which and it's 10 episodes into our second season okay yeah and how so this is a D podcast D uh role-playing game uh we don't really take the the system quite seriously because dungeons and dragons is actually quite a bad rpg to oh, play hot take it's it's not a hot take okay it's it's a it's very popular but it's not good so we kind of take the piss out of it and if we mainly just kind of just goof around and act more yeah. so i think most people play dungeons and dragons to like fight monsters and do that but yeah. we kind of like the fact that our characters can talk in funny voices yeah. to one another so yeah it's good we, we're based in irish mythology and it's all thanks to suzanne stapleton who's our dm so yeah. she does a lot of creative work on it uh and yeah we're aiming to probably have the the full arc finished in 50 episodes so oh, wow. we're probably halfway through yeah um so we're like halfway through act two you could say um so we're coming up to act three soon but we will take a hiatus again because we took a, a nice long yeah hiatus between season one and season two but yeah it's going well um yeah there's not really much to say about that there you go. check it out at ruined rituals on instagram and twitter and i think tiktok but we don't use twitter or tiktok so instagram but make sure early. you follow them there uh, sure, just if you want those to. Numbers. There's no content, but... Just um, put those numbers down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Spotify as well. Spotify is normally where we put yeah. our, our heart and soul into. There you go. Uh, Follow on Spotify. Give it five stars. But also do that for my podcast as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, if if mm-hmm. please can. And I do put stuff on the TikTok, so put it up, So follow me there as well. We don't even have to talk about movies, Daniel. We could just keep plugging our podcasts. Great. Yeah, I have another podcast on the way too. <laughs> it's about fridges. Uh, and, oh. uh, yeah. Um, the first hire is like about the fridge and yeah. then the second half is about the freezer. Now, does that represent how like, you know, the way when you get a new fridge, you have to leave it stand for a bit and you can't use it? Yes. And we also test um, when you unplug a f- fridge, mm-hmm. how like gross it gets. We kind of, we do that. We have like <laughs> 10 in a line and then... Daniel, I know you're joking, but I'm fascinated by that concept no, of an idea. Bad. I like it's not it. bad. Yeah. I'll save um, it for another day. Hmm. There you go. I mean, yeah. But I suppose today we should probably talk about the chilling... Ooh. movie that is hereditary directed by ari aster yeah um, arguably you could say the film 
starts off as an unplugged fridge, a freshly unplugged okay, fridge. Okay, there you go. And as it as it as it goes on, yeah, it begins to deteriorate and grossen up mm. uh, before just devolving into absolute. You got to throw disgrace. that fridge out. Yeah, yeah, can't keep yeah. that fridge anymore. No, yeah, it has to be thrown out. But sleepless nights. This is a spooky film. It's very spooky. No, I actually had so Bo's afraid is coming out this weekend. Yes. So I thought, we, what better way to tie it in? And we were talking about spooky, scary movies. And Raw is a very spooky, scary movie. So um, I hadn't seen Hereditary. It was on my watch list. We suggested. So yeah, we thought we'd talk about it today. And um, for anyone who may not... Oh, how we're going to do this, by the way, is also we're going to do a bit of a non-spoiler section at the beginning. For anyone who hasn't seen it, just to give you a vague concept and idea about it. What's good, what's not good, I guess. And then we'll get into spoilers then, because it is a very spoiler-heavy movie. Yeah, you re- yeah surprisingly so. Yeah. Um, you really can't really know anything going in. But I think a testament to the film as it stands, I feel like people who haven't seen the movie probably still don't know the spoilers. I feel like I, a lot of a lot of films that are spoiler necessary, like mm-hmm. Usual Suspects and shit like Seven yeah. and shit like that. Um, knowing Kevin Spacey is the twist on both of those. Uh, <laughs> but um, And you don't want to know what the third twist was. You'll let <laughs> it guess. Yeah. Um, knowing those can like deteriorate the experience mm-hmm. of watching those films. And same for Hereditary, yeah. you know. But the fact is, I saw the film quite late after it came out, as did most people, because it wasn't that big in Ireland. But um, yeah, yeah, I still think the spoilers I, in the movie are still very like solid. And I did not know any of them. I couldn't believe there's that's a, crazy. There's yeah, a we'll moment, talk about that. Yeah. There's a moment in this movie where I literally put my hands on my head, and I'm just like, "What the absolute fuck?" Yeah, it's crazy. Who unplugged this fridge? What happened here? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. It's starting to whiff. Exactly, yeah. The, the When the movie started with... What? Whiffing? I don't know. Smelling, you could say. I think we're doing a bit of a whiffing bit right now anyway, yeah, but yeah, that, we should yeah. move on. So yeah, for I guess what is what is this movie about in a non-spoilery way for anyone who may not be too aware of it? Uh, yeah, so Hereditary follows Annie Graham, or the Graham family, uh, and Annie is a miniaturist artist um, who has just dealt with the death of her mother, who she was... Uh, somewhat estranged to in her past and has a troubled time with uh, so she's just passed and it kind of deals with how that family goes about their grief mm-hmm. and for the most part plays out as a, as a standard dark family drama and then will eventually evolve into something a bit more supernatural or a bit more it's horrific okay. yeah but it, it it mainly deals with uh, grief and how to deal with death and how grief can change people and i think there's not that many films that i can actually compare it to it's like it's it's very hard to say if you like this movie you'll like this movie as in like even ari aster's other films like midsummer i feel like if you like midsummer you may not like hereditary and vice versa if you like hereditary you may like like midsummer and then bo's afraid well we don't know what this is gonna be like but um i feel like he's gonna change his style a lot but this probably is most people's favorites for him because i think it's such a stylized film and such a well put together film from script acting shooting lighting all that stuff production design especially it's so well put together that i think even if you aren't into horror films Mm -hmm. you can definitely get on board with this because honestly it just is a disturbing family drama yeah more than anything else you, and originally the script was a family drama. Yeah. It was not a horror movie. It was literally just about grief and dealing with the death of a, of a, of a, a loved one. And then Ari Aster was just like, you know what? Maybe if I put in all this creepy shit, yeah. it might be good. And it did, obviously. It did. But probably made the movie a lot better. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it's hard to say really what the film is about without spoiling it because I don't want to give away some of the clues yeah. and, and, and where the film goes. But I think all you're going to see is you're going to see a fucking a disgustingly underrated performance by Tony Collette. Yes, Who absolutely. plays Annie, the mother. Oh, this is my favorite part of the podcast where I forget to do a tiny bit of research and I Google it. I want to see who got nominated for Oscars that year for leading actress. Well, she got nominated for nothing. She got nominated no, nowhere. But I, I, but I want to know who. Oh, yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. 2018, I, I couldn't get that off the top of my head. But she, it, probably her best performance I've seen her do. And that's saying something because Tony Collette always brings it, even yeah. though when she's in trash movies. She's like still, Mafia Mama. Exactly. Exactly like Mafia Mama. Have um, you seen it? No. I saw the trailer, I saw trailer and I was like, no, that's no good. No, yeah, yeah. I was like, Tony Collette's picking up that paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Get it. A great performance from her. Uh, Millie Shapiro plays charlie who's the uh girl the daughter that we see on the the posters you see she's quite physically distinct and um, which i'm glad the movie actually doesn't particularly want to pay any attention to yeah it doesn't like make fun of it or anything like that alex wolf who everyone knows as the naked brothers band guy oh yeah yeah um, i just knew him as the kid from old oh yeah oh i haven't seen old but yeah he's, he's quite uh, good in that as well yeah. oh alex wolf class yeah um he really he so, really goes hard I, in it. I didn't mean to say i was surprised that alex wolf giving a performance i just meant i'm surprised in that movie alex wolf could be good oh yeah well i mean with the dialogue that he was given <laughs> exactly yeah, 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 I mean, yeah the trailer yeah. gave enough away that that <laughs> movie was not really that great and um lastly i think a very understated performance from uh gabriel byrne who everyone loves because he's great Is he? And uh, he's just Gabriel Byrne. Okay, fine. He's fucking great. You don't like Gabriel Byrne? I think no, but it was just more like I was just like in this. I was like, I feel oh, like I thought any, he was super good. I feel like anyone could have played him in this. No, I thought he was really, really good. Mm. Mainly because he had to play it quite. He wants to support his wife, but also, but also how she goes about things and how she says stuff to him. He you, he, he yeah. does lose his patience every now and again, yeah, which yeah. is normal and very human. But I think he just plays it very humane. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, And then when, when things start to go really fucking rabbit hole bullshit, yeah, um, he is probably the most realistic out of all of them. That's fair. And yeah, there's one scene in particular where I later on I want to call back to it of like that's yeah I don't want to I don't want to talk about it now. But there's a scene in which I really enjoyed about him trying to like earth us to the the reality of the movie in a way. Yeah, and then lastly, uh, a character that Annie meets, uh, Joan, is played by Anne Dowd. Um, who's in great films like Mass and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she's uh, really, really great in it. She really has like a chop and change quite demeanor in the movie, but yeah. she um, kills it. I think the, I think I always think of Tony Collette when I think of this movie because I think we've all seen the gifts of her in this film. Yeah. Um, her, just her facial expressions and, and her like raw screams of grief mm-hmm. and, and, and being upset. Um, is sometimes too real. I think it's almost like if you've seen Midsummer, Florence Pugh's cries like 15 minutes yeah, into that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so real and like human, but also like almost kind of seem animalistic. Tony Collette has numerous scenes in this movie where she, uh, yeah, really fucking brings it. Yeah. And one scene in particular, uh, which we'll probably get onto later uh, when they're having a the family dinner. Um, yeah. I think that's everyone's like favorite scene. I think so. Yeah. When they think of that film, because and it's not even scary. It's not even a scary scene. It's, it's nothing to do with horror. It's, it's just too real. It's far too real. Yeah. Oh my God. Have you ever, and just speaking about that family dinner. And again, we'll, we'll talk spoilers in a sec, but I just, I, there's one movie that I wasn't expecting to be able to compare this to, which was the 1980 winner for best picture uh, called ordinary people. Have you ever seen that? Or no, I have this? not. No, it's a movie that was nowhere on my radar, but I would, I have, I have Paramount plus. Of course you do. Exactly. And uh, I'm trying to get you on it. Think of all the screen movies you could be watching. 
I'm getting the seven uh, day trial. There you I'm go. Going to do this. I'm, I'm going to get the seven day trial. So when Yellow Jackets finish season <laughs> two, I can watch all of Yellow Jackets, which I'm actually worried about because the writer strike may oh, yeah. screw season three. But uh, I'm with you, WGA. Fucking do it. <laughs> get that fucking money. It's bullshit. I completely stand with all the fuckers. Got that. Um, but anyway, so it's, it, it's, it's basically a, it's a movie that deals with family trauma and a death in the family and how everyone in that family tries to move on with it in different ways. And it was weird to see that sort of theme and that sort of structure in this movie. But like you say, with all the weird spooks and scares that go along mm. with it. So for me, it was able to see an elevation of that sort of not simple premise, but that premise that was... I believe so well done in 1980, but just wind forward like what 30 years and then add spooks and scares, and you kind of appreciate the st- the horror of trauma and grieving is is much more um what's the word kind of just brought to life. I I'd yeah, say. well they go hand in hand because it is a horrible time in your life when you are going through grief. Yeah, as is going through a horror film. So if you're doing both at the same time, they can kind of lead into one another. Yeah, and, and like the my probably main comparison in the sense of grief and loss is uh haunting of hill house on netflix that mm-hmm. show by the guy who, who did the things <gasps> yeah he did so many things i always know his he name does midnight mass as well doesn't yeah he? he does damn it i'm actually so annoyed at myself oh ah you're gonna hate yourself because he has an annoyingly plain name it's like robert no, no. mike flanagan fuck yeah i didn't know <laughs> that yeah mike flanagan he's fucking great yeah but yeah haunting of hill house um deals with grief and horror at the same time okay. and, and kind of blends them into another and like i don't know if you've seen it no um it's very popular on netflix obviously he went on to do blind manor and midnight mass and all yeah. this stuff um but haunting of hill house was really his first one but that kind of has a similar vibe but it's all siblings rather than a family right um, and it kind of cuts back and forth between future and past um where this is de- mainly more focused this is definitely like hereditary i think it's only it feels like it's only set over like a couple weeks yeah i don't know how when you, they, don't, they don't really go into time frames at all especially when you consider the events of the movie you're like that all just happened yeah that uh, of time. yeah um i think hell house deals with like a, is, a, is a much obviously has 10 hours where hereditary yeah. is only two but yeah i think maybe if you like on thinking of hill house and how that dealt with kind of grief i think yeah. hereditary definitely would be a few and another thing actually we just said it was like two hours long i personally don't feel like it feels two hours uh, I think it is very well paced. Definitely still like utilizes a tree X structure, but I think it definitely flows really, really, really strongly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's down, down to how it's shot and how it's kind of presented as a play most of the time. Yeah. Um, which is to do with, um, which brilliantly kind of uses Annie's job as a miniaturist. Yeah. Which is so fresh. I don't think I've, I've rarely seen a, like a miniature artist in a movie. Yeah. Um, I think obviously Welcome to Marwin with this, that's terrible Zemeckis movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, Have but, you seen it? Yeah. Oh, it's wow. awful. I've seen the trailer. Oh, it's awful. And I was like, I bet you that's no good, much like Mafia Mama. It's so surprising though. With Steve Carell's the lead and Zemeckis, Bob Zemeckis behind the camera. And is, is Chris, is, he hasn't Christian got a good Rick, film. Is Christian Wiggum out? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, someone I else. Think uh, Janelle Monet is in it. Oh, if I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken. So if it is, bleep it and make it sound like I said something offensive. Okay, I will. <laughs> um, oh, what are you talking about? Robert Zemeckis not doing a good movie. He did that haunting um, Pinocchio movie last year. Oh, was that him? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Okay, well he hasn't made a good. F- I, okay, well I mean he hasn't. Made, I'm not. I, he hasn't made a good film since Flight, and even then Flight was an Oscar bait movie. Yeah, actually the film he did with Joseph Gordon-Levitt with the the tight tightrope film. Uh, the, oh, the walk, walk? Yeah, yeah that was good i mean possible he did the witches oh god he's had a terrible yeah. 10 years he's the he's the rob rayner of our uh oh yeah <laughs> he's the new rob rayner way off topic but, so, um, yeah 
I'll bleep all that out and make, say, <laughs> make it sound like we were just um, saying swear words the whole um, time. I think because the way it kind of blends her miniatures and how the sets are shot, which obviously, like, they shot on a soundstage, so they were able to take out walls and, and certain mm-hmm. things. So shots that are in rooms that wouldn't be possible unless it was yeah. on a soundstage. So it makes it look like they're actually kind of on a set. But because she also, Annie herself, remakes scenes and remakes miniatures to do with her life so she makes their own house and so like and their own rooms like her bedroom is made multiple times in the, in the set in her workshop and like we see it multiple times as well the way those are presented in such massive wides makes it seem like they're actually just um puppets and like a fucking miniature house yeah. um which i think is great i think yeah. it was really really fresh and like some of the shots that combine the miniature with the life-size stuff. Yeah. It's one... The opening shot as well. Oh, yeah. The opening shot's class. Yeah. yeah. Immediately... Almost kind of sets up the entire film. Yeah. Um, But the shot when we see... She's remaking... Because we learn later on... Well, this is not really... This is not spoiler. This is still spoiler-free zone. Yeah. We learned that uh, Annie's mother was, like, not all there mentally. And so she was developing dementia and had DID and stuff like that and so like they live with her for her last few years and so like she remakes this like play set of her room and like the her mother like waking up and coming into her during the night time and it's such a creepy scene it's such a creepy set anyway where if that was a shot in the movie you'd be scared if it was real life but the fact that it's miniature is like and then the fact that they then cut to the behind from the mother's perspective looking in at them sleeping but then life size Tony Collette is looking in it fucked yeah. totally fucked I don't, I don't know it's obviously something she does to be like cathartic and I don't really they actually don't really explain why she's doing it yeah um, which maybe we get into later but um, yeah I just found that fascinating to have a yeah. miniature artist in the movie and, and how they use that to kind of reflect how they shot the scenes as well yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, 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 I agree with most of that. I do have some, some, some contradictory things to say. Probably we'll say before the spoiler section. But yeah, I think, I think my biggest takeaway from this it was like a lot of, a, like very stylistic movie. You could can't just call it a horror movie because there is a lot more going on behind it. And um, a great cast. I would maybe slightly disagree on the pacing I would say it, but again I'm notoriously known for not being able to appreciate a good slow burn of a movie yeah I think so, you said that drive was uh, was slow uh, and that's only an iron 40 yeah you. I feel it I feel <laughs> yeah. it sometimes however I, and the one other thing I want to talk about big time um, is the score uh, by Colin Stetson and I think a lot of the pacing in this is helped by his score because it kind of creates a sort of sense of movement and a sense of pace that's just like keeps all the scenes connected somehow whereas if it was a bit of a hard cut like that, that like that, I think needed the first like 10-15 minutes maybe it's just like there's the same kind of score going throughout that just makes yeah. it feel all connected and you're not cut, sort of jarringly yeah. cutting from different yeah. sort of locations it's definitely implemented super well and they they do cut to the pace of the, the tracks as well really mm-hmm. well and I know that um Colin Stetson said when he was remake when he was making the score that he definitely saw it as his own character, which is completely true. Because I think it, the music is is present 85 percent of the film. It's have, always there. I have the stats here somewhere. It says um, when you say it's funny you say eighty five percent because it's eighty five minutes of music and apparently oh. Colin Stetson worked sixteen hours day sixteen hour days at times to, in order to complete it. Mm, you see, have Writers you, Guild of America, pay your staff. <laughs> have you seen Phantom Thread? Yes. That, like, I was getting vibes of that where it was just like, just a lot of music yeah. all the time. Yeah. But they use Not it, a bad way. I just no, went, no, no, no. Yeah. The, I think, I think films, 
I could go one or two ways. They have two songs and a mm-hmm. little bit of score, or they put the score over the entire movie. And it can kind of be a detriment, or it can kind of be great. And I, it, I think it is just dependent on how the director and editor works together. you seen Babylon? Yes. <laughs> I feel like that was one where it was slightly its detriment, because it was... This... Ba- oh, you're not going to get into Babylon. We can do that later. Yeah, have you can... done Babylon already? No, like, no, no. Oh, I'll do Babylon. <laughs> I fucking love Babylon. Oh, I love, uh, I love parts of Babylon. Oh, I love Babylon. Okay. Anyway, it, yeah, I agree with you that Damien Chazelle has a fetish for putting way too much music into his movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, back to this movie. Yeah, um, this definitely does uses the score really well with so many great match cuts. And, so, and like the music is like very beautiful at times and mm-hmm. very and kind of rhythmic and like a bit beat driven which is kind of yeah. surprising because i think the film doesn't give at all like a hip vibe yeah but uh uses quite cool deep synths and stuff mm-hmm. and then the final track which we'll get into later because yeah. it's yeah, a meme yeah. track you probably yeah. definitely heard it on tiktok or whatever yeah. um which daniel's podcast is not on but still follow it anyway which oh tiktok no no we're not yeah we're not, <laughs> yeah, we're not on tiktok um yeah i mean that that track itself really elevates that scene and mm-hmm. that whole like that, we'll get into that later yeah. but, um, but shall we get into spoilers I think do. I think we've done everything to kind of pitch the movie to what it's about in a way of what's good about it what's sort of distinct about it or is there anything else you want to throw into um, spoilers just so we can catch people who may not have seen the film want to see it and they may not ever come back and listen to the rest of this episode I'd like to say a massive shout out to Jennifer Lane or Lauren who edited the film because this is one of her first features. Oh, wow. She did a lot of uh, Noam Baumbach's films. She did a mm. couple of his films and did a, some secondary edits on, on his feature films. This is his, this is her first work with Ari Aster, and she's doing Boas Freight as well. Mm. But she did this, and then she went on to do fucking Tenet. And if you can make, wow. Tenet, if you can make Tenet make sense, that's sick. So she's a fucking Don. And making this film make sense and make it pacey, because the original cut was three hours. Yeah. So for this to make a nice pacey two, two hours is really great. And she's going on to do Oppenheimer as well. So, wow! Fucking shout out Does to you. Does that mean that Chris Nolan has seen this movie? Yeah, big time. This was huge in America. No, I'm just trying to think of like that's crazy because I assume he would have had a writer. Sorry, not a writer. He would have had an editor. He usually would have used. Yeah, I'm surprised. Like, expect like when I just think of the likes of like Memento or or Prestige. Like, it's crazy. The, he brings someone else new in. Yeah, the, 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 the to be honest, the name does escape me. Who who edits his other films? But um. For Tenet to be the first time you work with a new editor is wild. Yes. That is a wild decision. But maybe really worked out. Maybe you just need <laughs> someone who just won't burn out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because his films probably do take a, a while. Um, and, then, and then it's doing Oppenheimer as well. So obviously yeah. they got on well. Um, there you go. But yeah, I just wanted to get a shout out to her before we... Um, I didn't forget about her. No, I know, but I just wanted to don't get... You, right don't you make me look like I was trying because, to... Because... Um, she deserves it. Yeah. As a as a as a fellow. Uh, oh, as a fellow editor, yeah. Um, fucking yeah. great work. But you, yes, you can go to spoilers if you want. I, I'm just trying to think. Of, I'm just trying to think of anything else. Yeah, let's get the spoilers because I just I just want to get into it because I haven't told you my thoughts on this movie. Yeah, hit me. I okay, don't like, let's rate. Let's let's uh let's rate uh Drive over. Which is better, Drive Ra's, or Raw? Raw's Raw's my favorite so far. And then Drive. Then Drive. Then this. This is last. This is last. So I, I, yeah, I I I don't know. I. I think it was a mixture of two. I think I went in with a lot of hype of Mm. everyone talking about this movie and loving it. Mm -hmm. And then I just, not that I didn't get it, but it just, it didn't do anything for me. It didn't, it felt like a lot of style over substance. I know. It just, it didn't even emote like really, I didn't, not that I didn't connect with the characters, but it didn't really like elicit any sort of strong emotional reaction for me to me for like, for like it's payoff. 
worse than what I mean. Yeah. Like that last scene, I would have much preferred. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, oh no, I'm not even going to try and begin that sentence and explain the whole movie and then talk, talk towards the end. But basically there's this whole haunting effectively of this family that we'll talk about in more detail in a sec. But like the movie I felt like had a really cool opportunity to play it off of. Is this meant, is this a mental health issue that has been throughout her family? Because she talks about DID, she talks about her brother having schizophrenia. And is she just imagining all this? Yeah, is it hereditary? Is it hereditary? And then uh, basically the movie's like, no, but another thing is this weird occult thing that's mm. happening. And, you know, we got to use your kids for, to re- resurrect this king, blah, 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 blah. King Paimon. And I just, and I was just like, oh, that that's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Fine. I think, and I, I felt yeah. like it was like the ending of The Witch. But mm. like, ends in like, here's the spooky thing. And it's just like, oh, the 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 payoff of the mystery whereas this nearly solved the mystery in a very unsatisfactory way in my opinion and i i just to go back to the gabriel byrne thing it was when he come when she when she comes down from the attic and explains everything to him i was like that just felt like such a weird scene in this movie because everything was people doing like reacting to something and then running away or doing something stupid where she's like okay let me give you the lowdown of what's after happening upstairs dead body no head probably my ma over there blood and then like you catch him up on it as well yeah and then he, yeah. And then I was just like, okay, so I just kind of feel like the momentum has kind of dropped because the characters are still going to react in the wrong way, which is him just being weird about a book thrown into a fire. Sorry, I know I'm not making sense. I already watched this yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you definitely reflect, a, uh, I think there's people who love Hereditary and then there's people who dislike Hereditary. I don't think anyone's middling on Hereditary. That'd be very surprising if someone watched it and went, eh. You know, five, oh, like six. No, no, no. I know what yeah. you mean because you def. You, you know, you've done this a lot. You, yeah. you can understand. You can see uh, the positives of a oh, movie yeah. while also understanding you may not be the film might not be for you. Yeah. But as the cinema, the the normal cinema goer, which is actually funny, that this got a D plus on Cinema Score. Wow, that's <laughs> nonsense. You know what also got a D plus? Drive. So I definitely have a wow. very yeah, so Drive got a D plus. Yeah, because the average cinema goer who goes see it, and this is not to say. If you like this movie, you're better than the average cinema goer. Nothing like that. It's more so people who pay their 11 quid on a Friday or Saturday night who want to go see a film and end up seeing this or Drive or, mm. I don't know, what other films like that? Loads of them. Loads of Babylon. shit. Babylon. I mean, if you've, I mean, that probably did suck in a lot of suckers because Brad Pitt. That's what I mean. Yeah, it, Margot it, Robbie. But it was p- pitched as a La weird, La like, yeah, like was, a yeah. Great Gatsby uh Project X, like, oh, look at how raunchy Hollywood yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. And that's like... The first 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think for the average cinema goer, they're probably like, oh, well, yeah, okay. I got a bit, I got, it was interesting, but it kind of got a bit dark and wasn't yeah. for me. So they probably gave it a low score. And I completely understand that. And that's why ratings exist. I think you're definitely leaning on the side of like, it wasn't for me because I think some people are a bit... Should this movie have just stayed a family drama? That is in the scope of a horror film. Mm. As in, kind of like, it's a bad example, but like, kind of like Blair Witch, where if, imagine you cut the last five minutes of yeah, Blair Witch yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm. Blair Witch could just be literally like, there's nothing fucking going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Hereditary could literally just be, as you said, it could just be like mental illness, uh, grief, like people changing throughout grief and stuff like that. And there actually isn't any evil force at all is just people are actually just highly strong and mm-hmm. in their minds because they're not dealing with their grief properly and family dynamics are changing and all this stuff and then obviously no we find out that like no the senile fucking grandmother was literally trying to reincarnate king paimon and the, their sons and i just think it's it's a it's a 
I understand that people probably got disappointed in the fact that it was just like, oh yeah, and then in the last 30 minutes people started fucking cutting their heads off and catching on fire and, and naked people start showing up and yeah. and like weird, creepy, culted stuff starts happening. I, for one, love culty shit. Okay. I think culty shit is like the scariest fucking thing and like demons and possession. I hate all that stuff in real life as in like if that was... Yeah, that, that still freaks me out. So that's probably why I definitely like it. That's why I like Midsummer a lot because again, it was still this like folky, culty, yeah. horrible vibe. And to let you in, think I didn't like Midsummer either. See, I love Midsummer yeah. as well. Um, I think Midsummer is better than Hereditary, but I think Hereditary is a better made film. I I prefer Midsummer mm-hmm. as a personally, yes, because it's a horror film set the day, which is yeah. fucking cool. Which it, yeah, Where, I think Hereditary is actually just Ari Aster like was just like I had five years on this script or like whatever he took so long and mm-hmm. like it was so well pieced together that by the time he shot it apparently tony Collette said he had it in his head he said he was the most prepared director he's yeah. ever worked with so like he knew what he wanted immediately but yeah. midsummer they were like as they were making hereditary they're like do you have any more scripts and he's like here's midsummer and they're like well you want to make that next summer and he's <laughs> like i'm doing hereditary and then they're like well when we premiere this we'll green light her midsummer and then you'll have to film it in sweden and he's like cool so yeah. he didn't have that much to work on where i think which i think is nearly more impressive what he pulled off in midsummer that he had way less time considering the scale of that movie yeah yeah it's way bigger yeah. yeah um but i think hereditary uh like i think it just kept its cards and kept its clues closer to its chest for longer mm-hmm. and drew out the mystery a bit more not that i'm comparing the two it's more that like i think hereditary keeps you like what is actually going on for longer mm-hmm. um and I think the res- resolution of that is always going to cut the audience yeah. in half. It's always going to be like, it's either going to be, no, Tony Collette is literally just batshit, which they could have gone with because Gabriel Byrne plays a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist, yeah, yeah, um, But they don't. They're just like, you know, he's just, that's his job. That's how they fucking afford this house. Yeah. Like, as in like, she's an artist so she can do what she needs to do and make bank when she does her like showcases. Yeah. And he earns like uh, 260k a year. Yeah. Possibly. But I, and I think, I think, but you can kind of see that in their big argument at the end where he's kind of like, he, he's nearly about to say, he's like, like based on my profession or based on my life, line of work, you yeah. are. And then she kind of cuts him off. Yeah. But I, I, like I said, I don't think I would have preferred it if it all had been she'd woken up from a dream or like, or like she was like mentally ill in some way or whatever. I just think I was just, I would have loved the mystery of not knowing. I think that would have made it stronger of like, I don't know, being like, was it real? Was it not? And being able to look back and find the clues and stuff. I think that I might have. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just didn't like the answer yeah, to, to the question. I think mystery. it definitely teases that anyway. Really well. Because when, like, she does so many things of, like, she tells the story of how she let her, he, she put a, like, lighter fluid on herself and, like, put it on her kids and were, like, about to light the match. And then they tease that again. Yes. Visually, when she goes back into the house, which honestly has my favorite delivery of any line in the movie. When. Um, we also haven't talked about the main thing. Oh, but the, yeah, 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 which is like weird contextually. It doesn't make the most sense. But um, uh, the mom is upset with the son because the daughter dies. Yes, uh, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, <laughs> um, she goes into his room, being like, "I'm sorry for all the shit I said," and then he's like, "Why are you afraid of me and all the shit?" And then they start like she like slowly starts getting like wet, and you're like, yeah. "What the fuck?" But then she just like uncontrollably spurts out i wish i wasn't your mother yeah like i wish i never had you and like all this stuff and it's like the way she like it's almost like trying to get the words literally back in her mouth yeah and it's so real it's Mm. so like she knows she shouldn't have said that yeah obviously she shouldn't say that yeah but it's the fact that 
she's going through so much trauma and so much grief that like she can't withhold all yeah. of it because she'll just explode which yeah. eventually is what happens um, well she doesn't explode but yeah. um, uh, like she becomes someone else she transforms into something else but um, yeah. but just going back to I guess the, the main plot twist I guess of the movie is that a lot of the marketing of this movie was um, focused on Billy Shapiro Billy Shapiro Millie Shapiro Millie, Millie, Shapiro, yeah. Millie Shapiro and basically kind of nearly pitched it as a possession exorcist Rosemary Babies kind of situation yeah. of like and she's like the reincarnation spawn or, of like yeah. her mother yeah. shit crazy shit she fucking dies in the first 30 minutes and I literally checked <laughs> I checked my I checked the time yeah. the runtime, and this is when I was most excited about this movie and I was just like I, 20 left no 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 no. I was just I checked the half and I was like what the oh sorry I, I'm yeah. screaming at yeah. these out my yeah. mind. I was like what the fuck is this movie I was like I am so excited now because I was just like how are they gonna does the kid come back I was, I, it was like that was when the highest peak of the movie was for me because I was like anything could happen because yeah. it was like will she come back is that what the plot is or it's like you know how does the family deal with this I, I only remember seeing posters are here and I loved it so much and how she dies is so unexpected yeah. and it's, it's for anyone to, to, to wind it back I guess just slightly she gets, she gets brought to a party that she doesn't want to go to that her brother's going to um and, and all of a sudden he, she's left unattended and she has a peanut allergy and she goes into anaphylactic shock. They don't have an EpiPen. He's driving back to try and um, get an EpiPen and he's swerving on the road. She has her head sticking out the window to get some more air into her lungs and there's a fox or a dog or something in the middle yeah. of the road. He swerves and she fucking... Bangs her head ba- on the... Bang is not a strong... Thuds her head yeah, against noise. the lamp post. Yeah, it's a noise. And it's just... And you don't really know what's kind of happened yet because he's still, he's acting like, he doesn't he's even get sl- out of the car. He slowly drives off. He just drives away with that, uh, like, son's head. And it's just, it's just, and you're still wrapping your head. I was blown away. Yeah. I have a hands on my head for this scene. Yeah. As in, like, most films would be like, that's the last, that, that, that kickstarts the third act of the yeah. movie. Yeah, like, yeah. no, no, no. This, this ends the first act. Like, this is the end of the first act. Um. Yeah, it's such a well put together sequence oh. because it's so it is so unexpected, especially because they do so much to think that she will be the main character yeah. or eventually will be the antagonist of the movie or something like. Yeah, as in like we see her like chopping heads off pigeons, which what happens to her? She yeah, um, they they bring up her peanut allergy. They like show that they have this like argument between herself and her mom saying that the her grandmother wanted her to be a boy and like what the fuck does that mean yeah like, all this like weird the, dynamics the weird stuff about the grandmother breastfeeding her as well the little miniature yeah oh, that's fucked that's so fucked a lot of yeah. fucked stuff because she says that beforehand being like yeah. hey you're, my mother always tried to feed you instead it's, of me drive you crazy you're like oh she tried to like bottle feed the ba- take the baby and bottle feed no 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 she's like at the side of the bed yeah. with her breast out I literally yeah. have the second note of this movie is like what's the granny doing breastfeeding because yeah. like I, when it said feeding I assumed breastfeeding I don't know what that says about me yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like no, that's I thought bottle went. fed, and then they then they showed a miniature being like, "What the fuck?" But nah, that's, that's way fun. darker. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so that to have Charlie be very much the focus of the first forty minutes, and we're like, "What the fuck?" And she has this weird like thing that she does. Oh yeah, I, that's, I have <laughs> yeah. a couple of questions for you. What the fuck's with the clocking as well? Need a- I think she just has a thing. Ah. But the thing is, what she is the incarnation of Paimon. Yes. She has Paimon inside her. So Charlie is the one with Paimon mm-hmm. inside her. Yes, she makes that sound. Okay, okay. so Paimon is there. Why didn't think Paimon could go into a girl? No, they. So she has the genes to be Paimon. Okay. However, she was a girl. Okay. And, um. Basically, the the grandmother like infest uh, like uh, manifested 
Paimon in her. That's what you know how like the mother uh, Annie says. I kept my firstborn away from yeah, my yeah, grandmother, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, Charlie, as soon as she got her cucks into her, mm-hmm. so basically the entire of Char- the entirety of Charlie's life, the grandmother is like trying to get Paimon manifested mm-hmm. into this in, into Charlie. Uh, hence why Peter, the son, doesn't have anything because he's not he wasn't involved in the grandmother when they were younger and stuff like that. And that's why, like, she's saying, I wanted you to be a boy because Paimon's reincarnation needs to be in a male body. Yeah. Um, and which, that's, and that's played up a bit as well because Annie's at these sort of grief meetings and she mentions about how her mother passed away and that her brother her brother killed himself because yeah. it said that he was believed to have schizophrenia and he thought that his mom was trying to put voices in him or put people in his people even which we may now find out is Paimon yeah which I think is a great love that it's a great touch of like is it actually mental illness is it supernatural that's what I love yeah that's what yeah again I, I, I was it, digging it, the movie at this yeah, point yeah it definitely like. I do think that the first hour is a great, like, mm-hmm. s- the first half is, like, super strong in the, in the sense of it's setting up so many things. Um, and then, basically, I saw a really weird critique, which actually makes sense when Ari Aster went through it, where he said, why isn't she careful? She's like, we see the peanuts in the party getting chopped up to be in the cake. Yeah. And so we're like, oh, fuck, I hope Charlie doesn't eat that. And then she's just munching on it immediately. Obviously, yeah. Peter says to do it, but... She, and like so I and then Ariaster was like yeah because Paimon wants her to fucking die he wants to be able to move on from that vessel and get to somewhere else okay so that's why he's like I'm gonna eat this cake because it would put me in town of like shock and I might die and people think I I I agree with the theory is that the the telephone pole like they very vividly show the this symbol, symbol carved yeah. into it and I think the cultists definitely put the body on the road so that would make Peter swerve and mm-hmm. um, how they know that the head would be outside the thing I think they meant for Peter just to literally hit the pole and die or 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 yeah, yeah. or Charlie to die in the car crash I don't think they meant for the head to come clean off yeah but it works in the end but that that also goes back to a point where the dad. What's the dad's name again? It's Steve. Steve also talks about how Charlie's always going out in her bare feet and she's always, like, she has pneumonia and oh, don't be getting pneumonia again. Why are you sleeping up there? It's so cold. Yeah. Is that Paimon just trying to, I think like, he's always trying to get her sick. Yeah, and always yeah. Trying, and just trying to, like, kill her practically. Yeah. Um, but j- j- just to go back to that scene just very quickly, which I just was, again, one of my favourite things with the movie was that, like, how it created such tension and delivered a payoff that I was no in no way expecting. And I think that happens a lot throughout this movie where it's just like, I'm so worried about her not, like her choking up yeah. and dying from, a, yeah. uh, like uh, what you call it, from asphyxiation, but then to die via thudding off a pole. Yeah. And I think that happens in some of the seance scenes. I think it happens a, a lot towards the end of the movie, specifically within uh, Gabriel Byrne's character and then also Tony Collette's character. So... That's where I give the movie like huge props, and that it's it. You cannot predict some of the shit that happens in no, this. No, yeah, and I think that's probably like I know I keep chiming on about Midsummer, but I think that's where Midsummer sort of falls down. I think Hereditary like really was just like you think one thing's gonna happen, here's what mm-hmm. actually happens, and it's always more batshit than you could imagine. Where Midsummer, I felt like we expected that at that stage, so yeah. it was really gonna, you're never gonna outdo it. But I think also as well with Midsummer, you were kind of seeing the. Spoiler for Midsummer. Um, you, well, they were sp- fucked anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As in, like, you, you knew, knew they were fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, Or this yeah. was keep holding the fact that like, are they actually a cult or are they Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But yeah, her head comes off and I think it's actually like, obviously I think we've we've, we've researched that like it's based on like an actual story where an oh. actual drunk driver, like a guy. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. So he's like, so like college he's, he's, like driving his friend home yeah. and like his friend was like, I want to be sick out of the car. 
and like went and just hit a pole and his head came off and his friend literally just drove home and like left the car and the parents found the car and all that stuff like like, like how it happens in the movie but the movie does it really so well in the sense of like staying with the son and then having the man find her yeah. later on like it's and then fucked. cutting to the head covered in ants and yeah shit. yeah it doesn't shy away from showing a fucking 13 year old girl's head on the on the, on the, on the road yeah um which we find out later is used for something else fuck <laughs> yeah like again i think i was so desensitized when when that kind of scene came around it was like the least of my worries yeah, I'm like yeah. oh yeah okay cool. the head again, they yeah. have the head of the 13 year old on a statue of the king with a crown and there's all these naked uh, cult members bowing to peter who's possessed by pie man i.e sister okay cool yeah that makes sense yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that fits to the vibe i'm getting here. <laughs> yeah yeah um but there was something else i was going to talk about yeah i guess the, the sustained terror throughout just g- kind of building upon this so obviously you know then when, when that seance thing of Joni shows her how to bring yeah, bring your one back fucking tricks her again yeah but there's actually a great easter egg in that i didn't notice it when i was watching it but it was like you can see when she's in the car park of the art store, she has the chalkboard. She has the chalkboard in the back, yeah. and she tells, um, what you call it, Tony Collect's character, that's like, oh, this was the chalkboard that my little grandson loved yeah. to paint, like, do on. So, like, look at this, I can bring my grandson book. You can probably do the same with your granddaughter. No, sorry, your daughter. You just go home, read these magic words, don't worry what they say. Yeah. Completely gets her tricked. Yeah. Um, Love that as well. Big yeah, there are great de- Like, I think, I think it has a lot to say of, like, and I think, I don't know how intentional it is, but I think it kind of has a little bit of resonance with how the Catholic Church uh, deals with uh, grief and can pillage people for their money and, oh, and, yeah. and and grief and try and transform it into like praise and mm-hmm. yeah, worship. Yeah, that's the point actually, yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of what they're doing because Tony Collette's character at that stage has lost her mom, has lost her 13-year-old's uh, girl, like uh, daughter. Lost her brother a couple of years before that. Yeah, to suicide and, yeah. and like uh, her dad was a psych- like psychotic as well. He mm. starved himself to death. Like yeah. crazy dark shit. Um, so like she's so grief ridden and so traumatized at that stage that like of course she's going to believe this very nice, warm American woman to be like I could show you to talk to them, and that's why she buys it. And yeah. That's why she tries to get um, uh, Peter and Steve to do it. But the, uh, together and the acting was so great, so great because she had. I, I know obviously it's her fucking job but she fooled me in the sense that she was like oh my god you, and you're gonna think i'm crazy like oh, it was yeah, just yeah, 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 i did yeah. not see it's it so coming. Good. it was so so yeah, great she really kills it um, and yeah and i think i just and where i was going with that after then is in to kind of see how that mystery unfolds and again is this but like i don't know i was getting like serious you know like a uh, beautiful mind yeah you know where he kind of has that realization a spoiler for a beautiful mind yeah uh, this podcast just being that you're talking about <laughs> one movie and then referencing 50 others but there's that scene i won't spoil it too much with with the post box yeah where it's kind of like yeah. oh shit yeah and i kind of didn't know if the scene where she goes back to joni's apartment because again we don't really we we kind of see inside but is that what she thinks she sees inside yeah, that, yeah, yeah and then yeah, like yeah. she has this discovery with a doormat and I was kind of like, is this all just playing into like, is it real? Is it not? Yeah, she could like vilify this. Is she joining the dots yourself yeah. or are dots even there? I know. Yeah, that's yeah. What, yeah. So I was kind of like digging that as well. But yeah, I think another character that I kind of want to talk about was just that, that, that when Peter has the seance with the family and then the shit that kind of happens to him after. Oh man, that was great. Just the sheer like the sweat, the shakes. He's really good. Co- oh my God. He really sells this state of like something fucked is happening. I don't know what it is. And also that classic teenager being like, I'm not going to talk about it to anybody. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, ha- seeing like how, we barely see how like the dad deals with the grief or mm-hmm. whatever, but um, 
we we mainly see how Annie and Peter deal with the loss, and like Peter's obviously feels at fault for Charlie's death, and like wants Annie to forgive her, forgive him for like what happened because it was an accident, and like it really wasn't his fault, but he was neglectful, um, and so yeah, when after the seance, because that's what he's on board for the seance, yeah, he wants to like at least probably get some closure, at least still get some attachment to Charlie, because I think he's in his right because Charlie's weird as a sister, yeah, he is, he does his he. From what we see, he's actually quite nice and like caring for yeah, what he can yeah. be. I mean, like he's an angsty teenager. Yeah, he isn't completely dismissive of Charlie. Like he still brings her to the party. I think yeah. most people in life would be like, no, I don't think. Yeah, that. no, absolutely. Not. Especially where it's a party where he's like, I'm going to go smoke weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, better yeah. not tell mom, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's surprising that how like actually nice he is to her. Um, so, do you think it would have been better or worse if he was played more unlikable? I don't think he's like. I don't think he's particularly likable. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just think, I think, you, think you, you feel sympathetic. No, to he never he, do, he never does anything outwardly outwardly awful. He but, never does yeah. anything that you're like besides you're like killing his sister. He didn't kill. I know his sister. it was an, it was an accident. But wasn't it great when she said my my daughter was killed? There's a yeah, great line yeah, Tony yeah, Collette yeah, says like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. my daughter was killed." And then she yeah, realizes yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a bit like when you were saying earlier about her catching her words. Yeah, where she's yeah, like, yeah. "Oh shit! I just admitted my daughter was killed, and the person was my son." Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean. It may make more sense if he was a piece of shit, but then I think then the, the third act wouldn't make that much sense because we kind of follow him towards the end and, and how he how when he's freaked out, we're meant to be at least on long for the ride of that. Because if we think, yeah, fucking kill, if we were like on the side of like, Tony Collette should fucking kill her son, mm. that'd be great. But like the fact that we're still like, he really didn't do that much no. bad. And like, he obviously is dealing, and like it is just a, a like a, a mirror of like, her mom, Annie's mom was not nice to her. Yes. Annie is not particularly nice to Peter either. Yeah. They don't get on either. So it's, it is just like, it is just hereditary. Like, in the sense of like they, Yeah, they are just like... That's the name of the movie. Oh, they are just bad <laughs> to their children. They yeah. shouldn't have children in the first place. But I think if they went that route, if they, if they went that route of how Peter was like a piece of shit and like was not like for like uh, apologetic what happened or anything like that, we would be like, yeah, well, I mean, when he gets fucking murked at the end of the movie, we wouldn't give a fuck. Mm. Um, so that's probably why they keep him likable. Yeah. Um, Gary referencing other movies again. Have you seen the new Evil Dead Rise? Not yet, no. I've been meaning to. It's very good, first of all. I love it. But also, it kind of deals with the same issue of this of like parental violence in a way where it's like a mother trying to kill her yeah, son. Yeah, yeah, And when the son has done something, so in that in Evil Dead Rise not too much of a spoiler he's the one who gets the book oh yeah 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 so and you're like you're a fucking moron you've kind of caused yeah, this you read in a way. from a book of skin yeah <laughs> exactly yeah with weird fuck yeah you're a moron yeah and then it's kind of well less of a moron you decapitated your sister but it's kind of like <laughs> somewhat the same but it's yeah it's like the movie has to toe that gentle balance of like this like how do you deal with your mother who's coming to kill you yeah do you know what I mean and, yeah. it's, and, and like to not just like completely warp your mind on that um so I thought that was great. But just going back to Sarah Collette, I know I jump around a lot, just when she got possessed, yeah. I feel like that's when we kind of lost her in a way in the movie. I, I, like I would have, I would have nearly, like just obviously there's, there's the scene where she wants, she thinks that the book is the, much like the chalkboard, the connection that keeps the ghost here or the, the spirit of uh, Charlie around. So if she burns the book, she burns, um, what you call it, she'll, she'll get rid of the ghost and she tries to get Gabriel Byrne to throw in the fire. Yeah. How funny is it when you think about it at the end? Well, not funny, it's, haha, he's hilarious, but he's on fire. But no, the sense is like, put the book in, go up, put the book yeah, in, put the book yeah, in, yeah, knowing yeah. that, like, as in, she'll think she'll go on fire, yeah, but it turns yeah, out yeah, it's, yeah. it's Gabriel Byrne. Yeah, I think there's somewhat of a, I, I, I think, she is the best part of the oh, film. Oh, 100%. And it's so when, when, so when we... scene... 
when we lose her we don't see like yeah. her reaction to anything and it is upsetting but um i think i have i've this is my third time watching it i think and i was only this time where i was like oh is tony collette possessed earlier on than we actually think as in like is she like i wouldn't be able to pinpoint it but is it actually like post seance well she gets possessed during it yeah, the way she yeah. gets the voice in her kind of yeah thing. yeah but i mean is that it then like we do we actually get coney collette back then because i think no i think she i think um she knows the book will kill the dad mm-hmm. uh because and i think it's paimon being like throw the book in fucking die. Mm. and then but also it could be paimon being like oh if you throw the book in i'll burn alive yeah and get out and get into fucking peter mm-hmm. so that's why she fucking chops her own head off because she needs to die to get into peter so when peter eventually falls out the window yeah she can she can get into there so it is i think it definitely leaves a little up to interpretation of how that works out um the, the only thing i think that might disprove that or might not disprove it, but might be another an argument against it is just the weird blue light that mm-hmm. looks like when a DVD is in the sun. And yeah, that was really weird, yeah. <laughs> but apart, because I because I was trying to, I was reading up a bit about what the fuck that is. But I think that's Pyman. Pyman is the blue light. Yeah. Because when you see, when he jumps, or when, Pe- when whatever, Peter yeah. jumps out the window, the it blue light goes onto him. him. Yeah. But we also see it in the school. So does it go mm. out of Tony Collette to go to the school to like possess him to put his hand up yeah. in class and bang his head against the table? Yeah. So can it leave host i don't know yeah that's why like he he goes back to being peter for a while that's why he's so freaked out you know yeah if he was already possessed like, that stage but it doesn't look like sorry it doesn't look like he's possessed so much as like someone's holding his throat yeah trying kind to of similar with the chalk and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the candle and the, and the drawing and stuff yeah so i don't think it leaves i don't think it, it might go into tony clip but i don't think it yeah. definitely leaves a point yeah it might just yeah it, i think it definitely could be like influencing them mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. times yeah um, like the weird no but like again I think it goes back to the weird sleepwalking thing of like that's not a normal thing to do no, I so mean, like it's call yourself a kerosene and, but yeah. like that's is that just the case of like she's always a bit fucked yeah rather I think, than be well it, it, it makes no sense for her dad to be psychotic her mom to be psychotic with DID her brother to technically have or potentially have schizophrenia and then for her to have fucking zilch that's true you know, yeah. she's bound to have something but I would imagine all of them are come from Pyman as in like he's like a yeah. he's the reason for all that shit like again, could it be a case of they're all, like Pyman affecting the entire, yeah the the dad the to not make a line. beast yeah yeah the entire bloodline yeah for sure and I think it I read that it was originally a three hour cut and they cut an hour out but I've heard like, a lot of the, a lot of what they cut was the fam- family dialogue which was the which was some of the best parts of the movie but I thought what was kind of interesting though about them cutting out the dialogue was it kind of makes them a bit more distant and it kind of adds to that like families don't talk when there's the horrible toughest, stuff with yeah. the horrible stuff yeah, happening which yeah. I think kind of like lend itself yeah. to it because the longest dialogue I think we see with the most family members is that dinner scene yeah which, is, it, which we haven't talked about yet oh yeah do you want to talk about the dinner scene um it's just a master class from Tony Collette, really. Mm-hmm. As in, like, that's really all it is. I wouldn't consider it great in the directing or shot, uh, uh, you know, editing-wise. It's well-written. It's just, yeah, but it's just like, you know, Tony Collette going for it for 90 seconds, and then you come. The way she kind of goes back into herself yeah. then and sits down is so good. Yeah. She basically just... just like, scr- unfolds, or, like, folds up, like, it's... Yeah, she basically just explodes uh, because... Um, the Peter so, uh, apparently smirks. Yeah, Peter's like snarls and then like um, he he says, if you want to say something, they'll say it to me and just fucking say it. And then yeah. as soon as he says, just fucking say it to me, she just fucking explodes being like, don't fucking curse at me. And just goes off on like, and Speaks- basically just 
spills a truth bomb of yeah, like speaks I, the truth. I know that like what you did wasn't your fault, but also you, you were there and like I want to forgive you, but at the same time my fucking daughter's dead and you know I know you are missing her too and like I want to forgive you and it's all this like real like tough shit that like just comes out in anger. Uh, and then dad's just kind of sitting there going mm. yeah that's uh, what I mean doesn't I, interrupt at all I know um, but I think it's so like yeah I know. he would do that I know, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then um, it doesn't even get resolved there as in like she no. just sits down and goes oh you know I don't even want to fucking eat dinner and fucking off and but like I don't know like not, not, not reflecting too much on my own family but like not to this extent yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely been scenarios of like okay we're just not going to talk about that now kind of thing you know yeah um, but would you like to know who got nominated for best actress instead of Tony Collette this year? I'm trying to think of 2018. I really couldn't tell you. So who won was Olivia Coleman for favorite? Incorrect. Yeah, that was an incorrect choice. Well, out of the options, I haven't seen two of them, so it's hard to say. All right, well, give them to me. Um, I can't pronounce this person's name. It's Yalitza Apakriko mm. from Roma. Okay, yes. Well, that was better than Olivia Coleman. I think so. I think Olivia Coleman. I love Olivia Coleman. So do I. I just didn't think she was particularly. I think she, I just, look, she played I, loud, loud she, Olivia she was, Coleman. She was a loud and shouty woman. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I feel like. And also, I also have this annoying thing with the Oscars where all the best actress nominees tend to not be in best picture nominated movies uh, but I think that's more reflective of the movies that get nominated yeah, for best picture yeah, I, yeah. anyway so it always kind of annoys me I never go back and watch a lot of them because I'm like oh but that's a bad movie and yeah. I think the favourite I uh, I don't love, particularly love that no. director but I just thought Olivia Coleman does a lot of better things than what she got won an Oscar for yeah I think she does her best work in TV yeah. anyway but. Um, so Roma's great she's fantastic in Roma that, oh yeah I would put her above Olivia Coleman, Coleman. Um, then there was Glenn Close for The Wife I haven't seen it no I um, say she's great I believe I think I think it was like she could have won for this. I think it was like a top, was yeah, it? and then uh, it was Lady Gaga for a Star Is Born. Incorrect. That's yes. Nowhere near. But see, this is the classic thing from Oscars where it's like, oh my god, you whoa, whoa, you, you can somewhat you act. sing and you don't normally act, but you came into a movie and started acting. Yeah, we better. It's like when Cher won for Moonstruck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only watched that the other day, and yeah. I was just watched it with the lens of being like, you fucking won an Honestly, Oscar. Honestly, I think it's just if you are somewhat of an actor and then you give a really good performance and nobody yeah. expects that of you, you're yeah. kind of on. You're on form for an Oscar nomination. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean this with the greatest respect Here to Jamie Foxx. Uh, I hope you're getting better. You know, mm-hmm. had a horrible Oh, God, yeah, he did, yeah. Um, like, he was doing trash movies, and then he did Ray, mm-hmm. and then got, well, he got two Oscar nominations that year, I think, and he won. Yeah. Uh, deservedly so. Yeah. But at the same time, he hasn't done anything near that good again. But I think and it's I, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, Jamie Foxx is like a, a mid-level actor, and then like, did a fucking Oscar performance level. Whereas in like Leo DiCaprio, he's oh, kind of... Don't talk to me about it. But what I mean is like, he's kind of banging out 80% yeah. every single time. Regardless of how good the movie is. Like Don't Look Up, not a great film, but he's good in it. Yeah. You know, he's banging out 80%. Yeah. And honestly, that's what's happened with Tony Collette. She bangs out an 85 to 95% performance yeah. every single movie. And then Hereditary was like a fucking 100%. But no one really... It was like, yeah, because yeah. Tony Collette's fucking great. And that's yeah. it. It's like Alison Janney as well for like... Uh, I, Tanya. I, Tanya, yeah. I feel like she, you know, was doing quite middling performances and, and great movies, but then like I, Tanya you was could also, so good. You could also uh, say Jamie Lee Curtis in um, Everything Ever All At Once. Yeah, but she was definitely the bottom of the pile for that uh, yeah. category that, this year. Um, um, but that but mean, she's like, the person I wanted to win the most as a person. Yeah. Um, but anyway, anyway, and then the last person is Melissa McCarthy for a movie called Can You Ever oh, Forgive Me? Oh, no. Yeah. 
I can't believe Tony Collette didn't get nominated. For I know anything. it's actually crazy. It's disgusting. But again, that just goes back to what the Oscars kind of view of horror movies. And I think this like it's it's so strange to me just going on to another horror movie that I got a lot of um, prestige around it, which was Get Out. Mm-hmm. And when you consider that one an Oscar, like it's crazy. Like, if you told me Hereditary came out before Get Out. I would have been like, okay, that makes sense because Hollywood and Tourism does not really respect yeah. horror movies, um, except for like you know the likes of the The Exorcist and stuff like that. But like for this to come out the year after Get Out, I, it's crazy that there wasn't the same comparisons in a way. Now again, I don't think this movie is as good as Get Out, but mm. I, it's strange to see the case not be made for it. Yeah, no, I think it. I think like prestige horror, not prestige horror. What's the way to describe it? No, I, I know what you mean. As in like highbrow horror, highbrow horror. Yeah, because it's like films like Science of the Lambs, like. You know, I think like horror. I suppose. I think this is somewhat on level. It's, just, it's definitely just a bit more. It just ramps it up higher. Yeah, this is horror gore. Yeah, but I think on on nearly every level, like cinematography wise, by oh god, Powell Pogorzewski. Oh, who did Midsummer as well and yeah. something else that I, uh, I yeah, I he's love doing it. Blue Beetle and he's doing um, what? He's doing. <laughs> how um, do you go from? How do you go from Midsummer? Uh, he's did, he's doing Bow is Afraid and he did Fresh like a couple of years ago. Yes. Um. So he's he's fantastic as well. Um. Could could have got nominated for that. Yes. Uh, that year, uh, I think Ari Aster probably deserved at least a writer's screenwritten original. I don't think so, but um, from how well the. F- Films put together, but the main, the main, ma- the, the massive thing is that Tony Glenn oh, yeah, yeah. any praise. No, for that's it. I, I do find that quite, t- especially like, just look again. I've seen Lady Gaga and Star Is Born, oh. and like, f- like whatever. Um, yeah. Look, no, I think she put it like, look, putting a good performance for Lady Gaga. I never saw an American Horror Story, but all I know is she didn't deserve to be Kirsten Dunst for her performance in uh, mm-hmm. Fargo. But mm-hmm. look, I, I don't have a, I don't have that much of a. Um, the cinematography for A Star Is Born is nominated. Yes, you like it. This is better looking than that film. Yeah. Anyway, I'm getting slightly distracted. Um, but where was I going with this? Just slightly on the cinematography. What I also loved about this movie, and I feel like I had to keep referencing that I did love elements of this movie, how scary the daylight seems. I know that's something he did in Midsommar quite effectively because it's super bright. But the scenes in when he they're out in the open in the playground having lunch and there's just some scenes outdoors in yeah, a lot of this movie creepy people waving from yeah. far away yeah. that shit is weird <laughs> yeah. however way it's yeah. shot and I think also just continue this point about how eerie nothing how how ordinary and mundane things are made to seem eerie some of the pan shots in this of them just like going around the house yeah. whatever way the score works whatever way the pacing of the camera is I think the score the score has this fantastic throbbing throughout and it's almost like and I watched this with headphones on so I was very uh, aware of yeah, it yeah, 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 this yeah. weird like ultrasound that, well, yeah I know that kind too. of beat yeah, it's kind of like just, the irreversible like tones that make you yeah, disturbed like, yeah. why well, like I was looking and I just and you know nothing at this point in the movie you know nothing's gonna pop out this is like yeah. the beginning of the movie yeah. nothing yeah. nothing's weird but yet you're just immediately on edge and I think that goes down to the cinematography and I think a lot of what Ari Aster did with the camera some of the movement of it as well yeah it's just super wide and the the camera for the most part mainly up to the first, until like the last 15 minutes maintains a very slow methodical pace mm-hmm. where as in like honestly a bad if this was just written by Ari Aster let's say that and then a, a, a normal horror film director brought us on. They could have easily cheapened this film to a massive extent. Like, the amount of opportunity and, like, the, the amount of opportunities there were for jump scares mm-hmm. or cheap scares yeah. or cheap stuff. As in, like, 
there's probably like two or three shots in the first 90% of the movie where I was like, yeah, that's kind of horror 101. Like the, the another shot when Tony Clark looks in the room and like her mother's just standing yeah, there. Yeah, I was just about to say. It's so, that's so early on, but it's also so out of character for the rest of the film yeah. that it immediately just puts it in your brain going, anyone could, could happen. happen. Yeah. But it doesn't. And, and, it, and it's great for not doing that. And it only, it, it only really happens again like that somewhat with the naked people at the end. Yeah. Very hard but, to see. You're like, mm. They're hard to see, but they're like, they're like not out of focus, but they're just like, because they're like shrouded in a bit of shadows. And again, you're, you're still not really too sure what you're looking at. You have like, a horrible smile. You see their yeah, fucking smile. Kind of just like, yeah. You're just like, whoa, 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 naked people now? Like yeah. that wasn't on the, that wasn't on the agenda yeah, of spooks yeah. and scares. So like, yeah, just that, some of that, some of that far away looming threat that you yeah. don't know what it is there's multiple shots like that it's like when when charlie goes up to see the mother or the grandmother in the casket and it does that little focus pull to the guy yeah. just smiling at her and you're like that could just be a guy being like oh forgot about that's so him. sad about that's the guy who's naked in the doorway oh but i mean that that guy could just be like oh isn't it i'm like trying to reassure this kid by smiling because yeah. her grandmother's dead you can take it that obviously we know it's not yeah that, but we can take it that way as it is not that threatening from there and then the scene when uh Peter's like smoking out of a bong out of his window and like he's breathing out of his window mm-hmm. and then there's just a slight breath from yeah. the left hand side of the frame you're like oh so someone's watching them the whole time that's yeah. fucking creepy it's just like it keeps like yeah it keeps you on edge but then there's like almost has someone in the back of your chair that's going huh? and yeah. it prods you in the back yeah. going like yeah don't, don't happen don't, whenever. you're not safe you're not safe yeah yeah it really keeps your attention um and I've, I I kind of understand what you mean about not the way it resolves and the way it kind of goes and towards the end is I think we should kind of get into actually how it ends. Yeah. Because uh, we've teased loads of stuff. Um, I can just do a quick one. Go for it. Okay, so they do a seance to bring Charlie back. Yeah. Uh, Charlie doesn't come back and they probably uh, uh, invite the spirit of Pyman into the house and yep. so Pyman's free to roam around. Uh, he gets quite bad. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, quite, he starts breaking shit. Uh, Tony Kletz finds his her dead decapitated mother in the attic. That freaks her out. That's what the smell was. Whatever. Um, Gabrielle Byrne also finds the body or like looks at the body too and then Peter goes to school and gets possessed and bangs his face off the desk which was real and he dislocated his jaw did you but like apparently he came out and said I let me just break my nose for real yeah and Ari Aster was like no no you're good dude thanks yeah, yeah. but then he ended up breaking his jaw anyway which was a previous interest, yeah, industry yeah he industry, re-dislocated industry. it but yeah. still that's um, still fucked yeah so uh, he's kind of fucked from that he gets brought home and goes to sleep and then in the meantime, uh, Tony Collette figures out that the book, the notepad that Charlie kept drawing in, um, which was now filled with uh, pictures of Peter with his eyes crossed out, mm-hmm. which we'll get to in a second because yeah. that's the one main gripe I have with the movie, but yeah. we'll get to it in a second. Okay. Um, she's like, all right, when I tried to burn this previously, my arm caught on fire. So if we burn the whole book, it'll burn. Paimon will be gone and we, we'll be safe. So Gabriel Burns like, oh, maybe I'll just bring you to a psychiatry hospital. She goes, nah. <laughs> and they chuck the book in uh, and Gabriel Byrne unfortunately catches fire. And that's the the gif I think we always see. Is yeah. Like Cody's that horrified yeah. face and then it just like turns to like, nope, I'm possessed and I'm fucking creepy as shit now. Because then Peter wakes up and it's probably my least favorite shot of the movie, but I understand why he did it, where he kind of like wakes up and then behind he like sees his mother like, or in the background. Yeah. Uh, and he like on, crawls. On the, on the, on the it's ceiling. It's so weirdly done. 
But that's um, what I, yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like I feel like we lose Tony Collette in this. Oh well, she's gone. That's stage. what I mean. Yeah, yeah I just um, so then Peter finds her, his dad, and then it was it. it uh, that's probably another one of my favorite shots is when he sees his dad on the ground and like they like tilt up and Tony Collette's in the corner in yeah. her, like white outfit, like just hovering. You're like, yeah, that's pretty fucking creep. That's that's gonna be the scariest part of the movie. And then it tilt and it pans over to the right, and then we see the naked guy smiling yeah. at Peter. Uh, and then Tony Collette tries to kill her son by chasing them. Um, the scene where she's the, the banging her head off the thing love that fucking terrifying I love that that was yeah, great she, he basically goes to the attic and locks himself in there and then she's trying to get in by like banging her head because she's non-stop banging you don't see why and then you realise that she is like on her hands and knees but on the ceiling like banging her head like at a like an accelerated frame rate kind yeah, of like yeah, yeah. Looney Tune like uh, Woody the Woodpecker kind I of speed I hate looking at that it freaked me out so much and then uh then a bunch of old people are naked up in the attic being like, hey, we knew you were going to come up here. What's up? Yeah. Uh, Peter gets freaked out and throws himself out the window, um, killing himself. Yeah. So he dies there and then Paimon takes over because we see the little DVD the, the, yeah. light go into That's the only way I can it describe it. No, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it goes into him and then he... Uh, <laughs> Another great shot is when he looks over to the treehouse and the headless like body, <laughs> like, like perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just see. I I know you can't see the wires, but you can just see nearly Where how they're sequined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So his headless mother goes up into the <laughs> so, attic. It's just so comedic. I can't explain. I know it's her headless, his decapitated yeah, mother yeah. is zooming up to the treehouse. Oh, house. we skipped it, but in the attic, uh, he sees his mother with a piano wire chopping her own head off. Yeah. Um. Which is like a fucking disturbing shot as well. Yeah. It's just as, it's just as bad as the banging of the head. I think the banging's worse. I, I I think it is worse as well, but it's like equal of like just a close up. I, I should like, be yes. more horrified oh, by yeah. the piano wire, but the just the, the something the back of the head's man. fucking yeah. See, it is the accelerator frame. Yeah. And then uh, Paimon then goes into the attic, and we see the drawing of Paimon we saw in the book with uh, Charlie's head uh, covered in ants with the crown and all this. And then the I really I don't know why, but the fact that his grandmother headless bowing in front of the statue is alongside his mother mm-hmm. also headless bowing in front of the statue and then we hear this spiel about how uh, he's returned as Paimon yeah. and then he gets a crown put on his head and we get that really nice swell of that music yeah, um, which is that big track which is based on um, I think it's called The Priest oh if you get this wrong you'll be forever on the internet as the guy who got this wrong do you know it? no nope. oh right <laughs> well then <laughs> I can say nothing it's it's uh, a redoing of Zadok the Priest, which is a famous track that everyone actually knows, because mm-hmm. um, it's used during the coronation, which is very odd oh. that we picked to watch this movie the weekend after the fucking coronation. I didn't watch the coronation, so you I didn't. Fucking did. I didn't watch it either. <laughs> what I mean is, it's funny that they yeah. he reused that track yeah. um, for like the swell of like basically coronating this king. Yes. That's why he used it. Uh, <laughs> 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 I like how I had to talk myself into that yeah. point. Um you're learning with the audience. It's yeah, quite... and uh, this is where I I can't find... I, I must have seen it at one point, but the original script had him rip his own eyes out then, right? Mm. Because every the, all the drawings of Peter have his eyes yeah, crossed yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, um, And it's... Um, there's also another thing, which I can't even... Re- I can't remember why, but um, there's another clue for him to lose his eyes as well. And Ari Aster came out and said, yeah, I did that. I was going to do that, but then it got pushed back. We didn't do it in the end mm-hmm. because we just couldn't have it as the last. Yeah. But I think because the last scenes are so intense that they just were like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's enough. Yeah. And he was like, fine. 
but they still had to keep the yeah, 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 clues. Of so that was like the that's my main gripe with the films was like they not that I didn't want to see him claw out his own eyes. That's not what I'm saying. But what I mean is like they kept the clues of his him mm-hmm. losing his eyes and then they don't. Well, he might go on to lose his eyes. We don't yeah, know. we never know. Yeah. Um, but basically, they win and the cult wins and uh, Paimon rises and then that's the end of the movie. It's not a nice ending, but the track at the end is yeah. banging. Um, which is again very uncharacteristic because uh, it has no place to be at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, and that's the end of the film. There Pretty you go. much all of fucking family members die really brutally. He probably dies the nicest way by throwing himself out of a building. Yeah, to a nice, on a nice shrubbery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the yeah. I mean, like she's suffering with her anaphylactic shock and then gets her head knocked off. That's Gabriel Byrne burns to death, which mm-hmm. arguably, in my opinion, is the worst one. Yeah, uh, Tony Clett. I'm pretty sure she actually doesn't actually feel that. That's what I was. Yeah, because she I, made us change. And see, I think that's why I didn't find that horrifying because it just seemed so voluntary. That it was just like that's not the character we knew at the yet. beginning of the yeah. movie. Yeah. But but like I think it would even be more horrifying if it was more like uh, my body's doing this and I'm not choosing to. That'd be horrible. Mm. Yeah. Maybe too much. Yeah. We don't feel too bad for Annie because we do feel bad for Annie. We don't like Annie is like our our hero almost, mm. and she causes I, this to happen. Like as in like she's tricked into it, and she understands that she. Oh is yeah, a, but like you say, she's yeah, like it's it's she's she's preyed upon in her most vulnerable yeah, moment where yeah. she's going to a grief meeting that she doesn't even go in the door to. So like she's not even ready to face that yeah yeah and she already has something coming up to her um this will tie me on to uh, this uh, this probably the last thing i i have notes wise on this on this um thing is the fucking miniatures man Mm. what the fuck is the point of that what's the point of the miniatures what's the point of the miniatures um i understand what they do to create the atmosphere of the movie and the unsettledness and the whole otherworldly vibe because I think a lot of this movie is great from the production design of like nothing kind of everything feels very like even the treehouse doesn't look like a real treehouse but yeah. it looks like a I, I wrote it down like it looked like a Wes Anderson treehouse and yeah. that like it's very stylistic I also love the fact that uh, they, when they first showed a red light going on the hair because like Charlie dies and then the next thing we see is like the treehouse glowing red and you're yeah. like in a normal horror film, that's just because there's some spooky shit going on there. Yeah. But we find out it's just the man's space heater. Space heater. <laughs> yeah. I just love that little like, yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Then it actually does glow. <laughs> yeah. it's but like, it's going orange at the end of yeah, the movie. Yeah, and that's yeah. the candles. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so like, I, so I, I liked what the miniatures were doing. But ultimately, I was just like, what the fuck? Because I saw there was a lot of work put into this. They had to like build the real sets the with the miniatures time. at the yeah, same time. And all that sort of stuff. But why are they I think this? because Annie is a self-reflective artist. And so most of the scenes that she creates are the scenes that nearly everything we see her build, mm-hmm. we've already seen or yeah. are going on to see. So, um, and also because she's had such a traumatic life, she is trying to vocalize that and like create that to help with Fair. her grief and, and her trauma. And I think we kind of get a little bit of a clue of when she's been to grief counseling before because she says, I've been to what my mother brought me to one of these beforehand yeah. and apparently it worked. So we know that she's, willing to go to those meetings but i think her art is how she kind of deals with her trauma which most artists do as in Mm -hmm. i mean like most artists and writers and all this stuff like they they do write and create from an internalistic mindset and so i think that's what she's doing and that's why she's creating these sculptures and i think i think we pre in her house we see other houses and other statues that aren't stuff we see like there's a big house that's like 10 stories high and then also in a mountain and stuff like that yeah. and i think that's like what she became known for that's mm-hmm. how i'm reading it i feel like she's a well-known miniaturist who became known for this type of stuff and then she was like asked by this gallery to be like hey we want your own story or we want your own 
exhibition yeah. what do you want to do and then she was like i'll do my own life and my mm-hmm. own stuff because we see so much of the history and like she isn't afraid to do and like i think she's very unflinching in what she makes yeah she's afraid to talk about stuff so she's afraid to talk about charlie's death with peter and with Stephen after it happened yet no hesitation in remaking the yeah. the diorama of her child being killed and painting the blood of her yeah, yeah, yeah. head and she's and he's like why the fuck are you making that but it, no like, she doesn't ask that and that's what i was just about to say he doesn't say why you make he that he knows what the shit what was if he sees that that's the point yeah. i was going to get yeah. at where it's like clearly he knows she does this yeah 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 and like he doesn't think of like this is such a disturbed thing you're after producing in our household you're like you've done this but what if um peter, peter sees, it. sees it yeah yeah, yeah. and i thought that was i only just thought of that that thought there it was like maybe she's done the same with her brother's thing Ooh. and he's seen it so he's a bit sensitized like oh yeah. this is the weird thing she does yeah but just knowing that it could impact another family member that's where yeah i think it's again, just, i i do think it's only just comes from that's where most artists come from yeah, anyway that's and that's just an example of where i think i'm like style over substance i'm like i think he just added something because it was cool rather than making sense that's just I do think I do think it has a place in it I don't what would you like? What if she was an accountant do you think the film would change I um, I think it just it just added to more spooks I don't know I, she could have yeah, been yeah well, but then it worked that's that, that, that integral if it gives you more scares as in like I couldn't I don't want the movie without that shot of the fucking creepy lady yeah. in the doorway because like most horror films will just have that shot be a creepy woman but the fact that it's a miniature makes it a little bit creepier anyway I just think I don't know maybe because there's this shot of the there's a shot of the the one of the one of the miniatures on the bed without a head, and then later on we see that's Peter's head trying to be taken off. Why, ma'am? But see, that's what I mean. Of like, I wish it nearly. I liked that when it was like a. Is she creating the oh, things yeah, she yeah. is going to go on and do? But that doesn't happen because we find out it's the cult anyway. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I think that's where I was like, I could I could have bought into it if I knew it was like a when I look back at it again I'm like oh my god I, the signs were there the whole time yeah. whereas it was just like nah she just liked to make weird fucking shit yeah, yeah that's maybe just how she deals with it yeah no um, that's fair I do I do think it has a place in the film um, honestly yeah no, that's fair um, I also read that the symbol that they use for Paimon they're like three people in the circle the, the, the necklace that they all yeah. have that is the symbol of for Paimon the actual evil symbol okay. however in real life it's four people not three and the reason they changed it is because films that have dealt with actual spirits and demons oh. use the actual thing and it fucks the production, like sure. The Exorcist and all that stuff. So then Harry Astor was like, let's not do that because I do not want an issue on it. And also, a really strange credit to them is that the film only cost $10 million. Wow. And it made 82 Very good. $10 million for that movie? That's crazy. And like Midsommar Especially with was, the mini- miniatures. Yeah, I feel like... And like... And the, and the, I wouldn't say it's a star-studded cast. No. But... They're decent actors. They're like decently big. Tony Collette wasn't really in like oh, yeah. a big yeah. movie, like starring where she could have probably demanded a big filthy paycheck. And Ari Aster's first movie, he probably got paid nothing. Mm. Not nothing, but you know what I mean? Being like, yeah, we're, taking, we're taking the risk here by making yeah. this for you. And then Gabriel Byrne, he's not really like big Hollywood actor. I Alex Wolf. That's pretty what they picked. But uh, I mean, 10 million for that is like really money well spent. Yeah. Really, really great. And the... It was A24's biggest horror film. Or biggest it was film. The, it was their biggest film until, until everything ever all at yeah. once, yeah. Yeah, so fucking credit to the A24. You're killing those little Those little plucky underdogs who are making millions and millions of Oh, you're not underdogs dollars. anymore. That's what I mean. Yeah, like, they now, were at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah you lost that status. Already. Yeah. Um, right, do you have anything else to say about Hereditary before we wrap up? Oh, no, I do want to bring up one thing. Oh, yeah, go for it. Oh, is this the question? Which question? I don't know, the three dudes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, let's talk so, about that. So, 
I think people are one of three people. They are Jordan Peele, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Robert Eggers, and then Ari Aster. Yeah. So what one are you? And we're considering their first two features. So Good, because I did not like The Northman. <laughs> no, I no. No, uh, no, no. They all, I think they're all at one miss on their first three. And I think Bo is Afraid is most likely going to be Ari Aster's miss, but we'll I know. Hope not. I hope not, because my lovely friends at Sony have asked me to go see it tomorrow. And <laughs> it's three hours long, and I'm seeing it early in the day, and I'm like, I haven't liked this last two, and if this is the worst one, I'm not having um, a good time. But yeah, Ari Aster has Hereditary and Midsummer. Uh, Robert Eggers has The Witch and uh, The Lighthouse, and then Jordan Peele has Get Out and Us. Mm. How would you rank those three? Directors. Their films and directors. Oh, okay. So my favorite of all those is Get Out, probably. Okay. Um, it's wrong, but okay. I know that. Yeah, yeah. No, but I know I can. But see, I also understand if someone had told me, it's like, I probably have the same reaction. Like, oh, of course you would say that. It's not but first. But yeah. I'm trying to think. You put me on the spot now. I know. Um, you're on show. You're I like on the, spot. the. Do I like the Vivitch or the Lighthouse more? I like the Lighthouse more. Yes, that's correct. Um, <laughs> I like. Um, Ah, see, I'm going to have to put the two Ari Aster ones at the bottom because I dislike those the most. That's wild. I know. Well, I mean, no, even oh, I, us. Oh, oh, I take, on. yeah, no, actually, never mind. Do I prefer... Put Hereditary above us. I think I will. I'll do Midsommar at the bottom, then That's us, right. then Hereditary, then the Vivitch, then the Lighthouse, then Get Out. Ooh. I think. I'm I, I, at liberty to change this in the edit later if I think of something better. All right. Do you want to say them all clean so that you can... No. <laughs> I want robotically. To the, I want to do them in different pitches and tones and different yeah. accents. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about you? Uh, Us is last. Yeah. And then uh, The Vich. Yeah, that's fair. And then Get Out. Oh, oh wow. Oh. Come on, man. Yeah, probably Get Out. Wow, And then really? The Lighthouse. And then Midsummer, <laughs> And then Hereditary. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm an Ari Yeah, Aster no, fan. that's fair. That's um, I love his shit. I think he is bossing the studio shit. Well, you've, you love all of his short movies as well, so yes. you kind of have that appreciation his of sor- his, his short stuff. Yeah, his shorts are kind of what got him on the map with A24. Yeah. So, like, um, the strange things about the Joneses is, is, like, that one is fucking crazy for how yeah. long it is. I think it's only, like, 21 minutes. That one's really disturbing. And uh, Bo, which yeah. is uh, what Bo is afraid, is based on. It's a, As in, I think I heard that Bo, the first uh, 45 minutes of the movie... Uh, is what the f- short film deals with. Right. So if you've seen the short film, you kind of know what you're going to get into uh, for the first 45 minutes. I wouldn't minutes, I that beforehand. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. Just because if you like the short film, you might go, why was this 45? Why is this, yeah, little, why is this, what, why is this 38 minutes longer? I might, might prefer the short film because I'll watch three hours of Bo is Afraid and I'll be like, I didn't like that. Then again, review still pending. I still uh, could love uh, it. Uh, and then I'll be like, oh my God, here's a shorter version of it with like yeah, a yeah, third yeah, of yeah. it. And I'll if you like that, you should go see the feature. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah I, might watch both, I might watch both them tomorrow actually. There you go. Yeah. I, no, but like it, it's not a case of like, I don't... F- and I don't worry. I'd love telling people when they're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I just mm-hmm. think it's a different opinion of those types of movies. And that's, I just think I, that's why I think people are different people yeah. because I know that some people are Eggers, ride or die, all Eggers, The Vision Lighthouse, and I think I they're, those, those films so are middling to me. Oh, I love them so. I loved. think Jordan Peele killed it with Get Out. I do prefer Ari Aster's two films above it. And the, that's and, fair. And the lighthouse, okay, but, but, I think, but us, us was a train wreck of a film, and then Ari Aster is obviously my favorite. Yeah, um, so you haven't seen Nope. 
and Nope, nope. makes up for us. But I don't think Nope is better than Get Out, but I think he does something wildly different that I yeah. was very on board with. I think they're all doing something different. But the, because, the, like, see, the Northman was balls. I never had a chance because what happened was Universal were like, hey, come make one of your fucked movies. And then he tried to make one of their fucked movies. Like, oh no, but where's like the, where's the, you action, know, where's the action? Yeah, where's sex, the where's yeah, the story yeah, we yeah, all know yeah. and love? And he goes, okay, so I can't do fucked stuff. He's like, no, 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 keep the fucked stuff in. Yeah, but yeah. do all the other stuff. Yeah. So basically when the movie came out, it was like there wasn't enough fuck stuff and there wasn't enough like, yeah. I don't know, gladiator-esque honestly though like as soon as I heard that he got handed a hundred million dollars to make a movie like, but like as soon as I heard that I knew it was bad yeah. and, like I knew it was gonna fail and like when I heard Ari Aster's like Bo is afraid it's gonna be a very expensive um, I think it's 80 million dollar budget and I believe 30 of that's going to Joaquin Phoenix really <laughs> no it's just I could see him I mean, he, I mean he could be he might be expensive I could see but him also I wouldn't even be surprised if he was like 200 grand's fine you know, <laughs> and like yeah, he's, he's just quite like, the, like I, yeah, he could just be like, just give me a sandwich yeah, every day. Yeah, so like when I heard Ari Aster was also getting that big of a paycheck, I was like, you know what? I feel like if their third films are both quite ass, that's fine. They still have they can go back to their A twenty four middle yeah, low yeah. budget movies where Jordan Peele. I feel like you can kind of give him whatever you want, and he'll make whatever he wants. As in, like I, I, Jordan Peele is not constrained by budget. I think, and also I think Jordan Peele has been in the game long enough that he knows what he wants to pivot to. As in, like he's been a producer on different things. He was starring in Key and Peele for mm. ages as well. Like he know he knows how to play the game. I think a bit more. Yes, he's definitely a sh- like he's show run and he's produced. But honestly, I think nearly everything that he has touched since Get Out has kind of been not as good as Get Out. As in, like, I don't think he has had a hit since then. No, 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 no. Financially, yes. Us and, and, and Nope were big, yeah, big yeah. hits. And they deservedly so. Yeah. Um, but his other, like, shows and Yeah, and I Twilight don't watch... Zone, do you watch that now? Uh, shit. And, like, he was involved in Harrow County and, like, you know... Do you watch Wendell and Wild? No. Hmm. Do you know what is it is? You? No. It's a stop-motion animation movie on Netflix that is written and directed by the guy who did Nightmare Before Christmas and oh, yes. James yeah. and the Giant's Peach. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. The, like, I didn't love it yeah didn't love the story of it didn't love the characters the music mm. was very jarring but the actual physical again what i'm saying is the actual puppets, no, the, actual pu- the actual puppets and like there's a scene and i've talked about it in the podcast before and it's already too long but i don't care because i need people to watch this one scene this one like five second clip of this movie mm. of like a of a truck driving over an ice puddle and the ice puddle cracking and the water popping up and you're just like that is so unnecessary yeah, yeah. but it's just a fantastic level and of that detail was, that was someone's seven months of their life but that's what that. I mean yeah. but also the other point being Jordan Peele had nothing to do with that element of the movie other than like the design maybe or the concept the concept, yeah, concept yeah. design of some of this but I don't think from or he, or he got shown a very early screen and went yeah that's alright yeah. and then that was it oh no apparently the two of them no I'm only messing to, no but like what I do know is the two of them got talking about it and he was like oh you should just like I'll, let me just be a producer on this with you and I'll make this like I'll get this I'll get it happen yeah. exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think Jordan Peele is in the game and then Robert Eggers and Ari Aster are some of the best horror directors who are playing the game very mm-hmm. well yeah yeah um, like I wouldn't be surprised if Ari Aster and Robert Eggers are like top 10 Hollywood directors in 10 or 15 years time. Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. I think so. They played the studio game super well. See, I think... Because what... Hereditary was such a big financial hit that mm-hmm. Midsummer could fail as much as it needed to. Yeah, yeah. And he'd still get it on. That was, that was like such a like 40s, 50s, 60s director mindset. As in like you made one smash, you could make two duds and still come back. Yeah. And I think, I think Ari Aston and Robert Eggers are, are, are doing that. And yeah. I think... To a lesser extent, Taika Waititi was doing that um, until he got into Marvel. Once you get into Marvel, it doesn't count. Once yes. you're in Marvel, it does not count because you, they can throw money at you and technically it's, even in your, it's not even your decision. Yeah. Whereas in like, these are all originals. Um, Who directed um, Captain Marvel? 
who directed no, the, the, the point being oh, is that like nobody yeah. really remembers the directors tied to these movies yeah, so much yeah, as like yeah, yeah, they just yeah. know it's a marvel movie yeah. but I, I think what's kind of interesting is i was just thinking in my head there i was counting um was like all these directors like when you think of directors they always have one not dud but they always have one kind of bomb that like Make some kind of go into hiding for a bit and then come back out of it again. The, the first man for Damien Chazelle. Exa- I, I was counting in my head. I was doing Damien Chazelle. I was thinking like Quentin Tarantino where it kind of goes Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. Jackie Brown, yeah, but like yeah. it didn't do well comes commercially. Comes back to Kill Bill. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could see the likes of Ari Aster and um, what you call it. Um, the, uh, Robert Eggers kind of doing the same. Yeah. Like, maybe Damien Chazelle, but in a different way. Yeah, no, he's... Just he's, don't make a three-hour movie. He's like a classical, like, Hollywood director. I do... I, but, like, I think Ari Aster and Robert Eggers are great in tense horror trilogy yeah. type stuff. They 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 are the best at that. At the they moment. have a great brand that they are... Like, they do not shy behind. Yeah, yeah. And when they kind of steer off it, it may not go well. Yeah. Which you'll know in Bo is Afraid Tomorrow. Yeah. Or I will know... Well, no, I would have seen it last Thursday. Yes. I will see it after this episode comes out because yeah. I'll see it when it comes out in cinemas yeah. uh, and like Robert Eggers North fan obviously was just a massive failure on nearly every front <sighs> yeah. um, bar visually but like whatever every yeah. film nowadays every film and TV show looks good I feel like saying something looks good isn't that much of a like nearly every film is remarkably passable mm-hmm. looking yeah There's ne- I never see a film go that was poorly shot it's rare it's rare. super yeah, rare. It's now. rarer. Yeah. 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 We're back in back in like the seventies. It was like that looks like just like you had you, you, you had like a, you had a scene to shoot and you were just like I'll put the cameras in two places yeah. and we'll just cut between yeah, those yeah, shots. Yeah, through yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. Where yeah. I think nearly every film that has to look at least somewhat good. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's hereditary. And also yeah. just the sub- like we didn't talk about it at all. I think you we know? did, Daniel, and I think <laughs> yeah. we also just managed to cover off our general thoughts on Hollywood, other movies that people should or shouldn't go see, uh-huh. uh, the projected careers of different actors and directors. Uh-huh. I think we covered it all. Uh-huh. I think Tony Collette should have won the Oscar that year. Oh, that would have been great. Overall, oh, Olivia Wilde, goddamn. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> right, okay, Daniel, thank you so much for coming back. Thanks for having me. I won't take seventy episodes to come back next time. Yeah, we'll get you back on for something else. Episode one sixty. One six. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I don't know. At the rate, at the rate, like, okay, it's another three years. Can't, can't wait. Um, but no, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it, and I really appreciate anyone who's listened to this or any of the other episodes. If you would like to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow at Reeling in the Peers on Instagram. We also have the clips on TikTok. You can subscribe on YouTube for the full length video audio form be sure to follow me on letterbox that's in the description daniel has it but he doesn't use it do you want to plug it uh i can't remember my username so never mind it's uh, the, at rune rituals on instagram I, I was about to get I was, gonna, I was gonna do all my stuff first, yeah you gotta plug yourself and then i was gonna leave your stuff to the end when people are li- less likely to have dropped off and, uh, <laughs> no if you want to contact this show or a podcast you can follow, you can email really at gmail.com be sure to subscribe on spotify and apple and give us ratings there and also be sure to follow ruined rituals on spotify and apple Podcasts. give it some high ratings and there. amazon as well and amazon as well if you're in the uk or whatever oh fuck i haven't been doing that for my one okay and then <laughs> just to wind back go, go follow me on amazon as well we're well, on youtube though we're not on youtube i just put the clips up i just put the, the full thing on there yeah i haven't so, done it yet. it's great it's very easy and um but yes be sure to do that and follow at ruined rituals on instagram for some great good looking content that i do love very much shout out to Suzanne Stapleton yep and you know what it's unlike an Ari Aster movie because it's all style and it's all substance oh. it's got it both I love Ari Aster god damn <laughs> that's changed me that can't be the last word why not that can't be not the last word of the podcast uh, he's not he's not okay uh, oh I can end it here go okay and you have to you have to promise to finish on these last three words okay go for it 
Scorsese fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs>